Four, please. The knackered golfist now driving. Welcome to the Knackered Golfist. Uh, I am your host, the Knackered Golfist. I uh, wanted to share a few things that I was thinking about this week. Um, this is the first week of January 2021, and we are heading into, well, not me, but the tour is actually making a stop. It's doing its Hawaii Hawaii swing. Did I say that right? Hawaii. Hey, way I. Hey, way I out there. Hey, way I. They're out in Maui this week. They're at the Kapalua International. I mean, the um, the Mercedes Championship. I mean, the uh, the Century Invitational specific specialist uh, tournament. Anyway, it's the Tournament of Champions uh, for this year, and the tour is out there. And uh, I actually played Kapalua once. Uh, 20 years ago this year, um, I was married, and uh, my wife and I went to Maui for our honeymoon. And uh, by the grace of, by the grace of God, we, um, I was able to play Kapalua for free, and uh, we got, I got comped out there, and it was all because I, I worked at the time I was an assistant golf course superintendent at DeBell Golf Course in Burbank, California, and I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the young man's name. You know what? I'm gonna look it up right now. The Bell Golf Course in DeBank in De Burbank, California. Oh man. Home filming oh they have a filming page if you want to be if you want to do some filming out there oh boy wow the best value for the Los Angeles area wow I used to work there wow that place has turned that place has changed a lot anyway oh Canyon Club what's that what's that golf lessons who is the oh I don't know if that's the guy. Anyway, um, the person, I mean, I don't know the the kid's name, but at the time he was a, uh, a young, uh, a young PGA pro that was taking over for his father who had, uh, sort of relinquished the reins to his son and he became the pro at DeBell golf course. And I thought that was a big deal. So, you know, no other, I mean, there's very few people that have done specific things like that for me in the golf industry, um, other than giving me employment, uh, that actually did something. They actually called the pro at Kapalua and say, Hey, my guy's coming out. You know, why don't you, can you please comp his round for me? You know, as like a favor, you know, one of those deals. And I thought that was really uh, sweet that that guy did that. So I, I, if I ever find the name, I'll I don't know. It, this is my moment, and I can't remember. So uh, the young man that was the pro at DeBell actually made it so I didn't have to pay at Kapalua. And I played the pan, I played the Pantation course. The 
I played the plantation course at Kapalua. And it's the only um, it's the only PGA Tour venue that I've ever played other than well I did play Poppy Hills once. And Poppy Hills, you know, back in the early 90s that was that's that was that was the part of the uh, the AT&T. Uh, but yeah, I played I played uh, yeah yeah, I can't remember any other course I played that was on the tour. Um, but yeah, Kapalua, that was an amazing experience. Um, I just have to say, because, you know, for one thing, you know, Maui is unbelievable in and of itself. You know, you ha- you look, you, the plantation course is up on a hillside and you see Molokai over there on the other side of the, uh, of the water. And you can, you know, it, it's sort of... It's surreal, actually, in my opinion. It was so amazing. I mean, my wife, my new bride, was was so amazing. She actually went with me when I played golf, and she drove the cart, and she had a ball. We had a ball out there. Um, for the life of me, I was trying to think, you know, what clubs was I using back then when I was uh, when I played Kapalua? I have a feeling that I was playing the the Mizuno MP14s. With the Sensacore S300 shafts. And, oh, and I just remembered the driver that I had. Because I was working at DeBell. I had the uh, the TaylorMade, the Titanium uh, Tour uh, driver. That was like the 9 degree. And I and I hit that. I loved that driver. That driver was amazing. For the time. You know, I got it. I remember I remember buying it at the, uh, the Roger Dunn Golf Shop down there in Burbank. And... They had, like, I remember looking in the bin. God, this was, like, 20 years ago. And there was this bin, and one of them, they were selling They were selling one of them. They had two uh, tailor-made uh, bubble titanium drivers, and one of them had, had colla- the, the face had collapsed. And you could totally see it in the, uh, in the what you call it, the, uh, the face of the club. And they still sold it, and I bought it, and I like, you know what, this this doesn't look right, and I, and I remember, I think I sh- I think I showed it to the uh, the teaching pro at DeBell. Uh, his name was his name was Birch that I remember. Um, <clears throat> he was he said, yeah, you know that looks that looks like it's uh, that that looks like it caved in a little bit. Why don't you take that back and see what they can do for you? And so I took it back, and the guy's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. And, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, son. And it was one of those things that's like, okay, you have another one here in the barrel. Can I just swap it? And I think they tried to charge me a little bit more for it. I mean, that was sort of back then when it was a little bit shady to sort of like, you know, the customer isn't always right kind of thing. But you know that was that was the Roger Dunn Golf Shop in Burbank where you had all the. Um, I remember being in there once. After well after that, and I remember just taking the the folks in that in the in the, in the hitting bays or the hitting stalls were just taking forever. And it's like they were taking their sweet time. I mean, for one thing, they may not have had enough stalls for people to come in and try clubs, but there's a sort of there's an air of uh, superiority with the with the golfing public down there, especially in that sort of area, because you know it's Hollywood. 
So they're going to take their sweet time. Anyway, I mean, I was like, you know, working, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, um, so the tailor-made uh, driver that I had for Kapalua was an amazing uh, club. And it was, I think it was the Tour Stiff Shaft. And it was such a big deal back then, that tailor-made. And I think um, it was the club that Ernie Els used to win the U.S. Open at Congressional. You know, he was a tailor-made staffer back then. And, you know, that, that, that marketing of that tailor-made bubble was, uh, you know, that was huge. You know, they spent a lot of money advertising that stuff. And tailor-made was, was known for having product. And that sort of was the start of, you know, they were coming out with something every six months. It, that may have happened a bit after, maybe long after. But just to sort of, you know, be ahead of the curve, they were, they were coming up with really good products. You know, they had the, when they went from the original sort of navy blue and red colors to the sort of dark gray and orange colors, that's when, that's when things started to change. Anyway, um, where else was I was going with that? So I remember, um, I can't remember, I me- I think on the back nine, I had, I, I think I made every fairway, I, I couldn't putt worth the worth the garbage i was a garbage putter on those greens and i think they're those are the paspalum greens on at kapalua and i think it, it, they're either the paspalum greens or they're the hybrid bermuda you know for that climate or the or the common bermuda i don't know but putting on those greens for me as a guy from california with poani greens it was not it was night and day difference I had no idea. I mean, I put all kinds of uh, respect on the breaking uh, effects of the putt, and I and I couldn't make anything. I just was I just putted terribly, and I think I was using a uh, a ping zing uh, putter. That I'm wondering if I was using it as like a belly putter. I can't remember, but uh, anyway, it, it was terrible. I mean, the the greens were awesome. I couldn't read the breaks on any of them. I mean, I gave them way too much respect, and I and I thought that the that the that the putts would break towards the ocean, but you know, I I, I had a ball out there. It was it was great to just I played well. I think I uh, I drove the ball well. I I don't think I uh, hit the ball well from the fairway, you know, to the greens. But uh, as far as hitting every drive. At least on the back nine, I, I remember, I remember hitting every drive in the fairway on the back nine, and it was and also, I I found one of those original Callaway Rule Thirty Five golf balls. I mean, you know, me, I mean, me and my ball uh, lore and my ball fascination. Um, if I had a couple extra balls and extra set of fingers, no. Anyway. Um, I found this Callaway Rule 35. It was the blue ball. It wasn't the red, and I and I kept and I didn't lose that ball the entire back nine. I played with it the whole back nine. So I really had a ball playing at Kapalua. So that's sort of my experience playing there. Um, great course, you know. The uh, I I didn't really have an appreciation for what the course was based on just because I didn't see the course on TV when they were uh, televising the tournament. I think at the time, they were still doing the uh, the Mercedes Championships 
at La Costa in San Diego or in Carlsbad. And I think when, I don't know when they started going to Kapalua, but they, I don't know if they were still doing that Kapalua International either. That was in the, uh, that was in uh, early November of every year. It was like one of those fall tournaments that I remember. I remember from 93, the uh, commercial for that, the Kapalua International sponsored by Lincoln or whatever. It was cool. So Kapalua was great. The plantation course, that's like the, that's the place you want to play to sort of, you know, there's, there's the other courses which are like, eh, whatever. I want to play the tour course. So that's what I did. So it was fun. You know, I'm thankful. Thank you for whoever that was to, uh, to let me out there for free. I I don't know if I ever thanked him. I think I'm pretty sure I did, but, um, it was really fun and we had a great, we had a great time there for our honeymoon. And we got to see whales and all that stuff. It was great. So we were married in uh, March of 2001, and uh, it was great. So anyway, in other news, uh, <laughs> I love Paul Harvey. Oh, man, I love Paul Harvey. Hello, Americans. This is the Knackered Golfist. Stand by for news. I was at the uh, Goodwill uh, yesterday uh, on my way to pick up my son, and I found a bargain. What I did is I found one of the old sort of original metal woods that TaylorMade came out with. It was the TaylorMade Burner 3 wood. It's the the 15 degree loft and it has the Aldola low torque shaft on it. And I was hitting it at the range tonight and I hit it pretty good. You know, the head is obviously they they came out with those heads to replace the persimmons the persimmon heads that were on uh, uh, wooden clubs. And that was the start of the revolution of the uh, the metal wood sort of changeover in golf. And so I, I think I found an original original club that started started the uh, the whole thing. So I hit, I hit that thing as, as long as my normal driver. I'm sorry, my normal three wood. And it wasn't that... I mean, I it, the grip was really worn out, and I just got done putting a new grip on it. Um, but if you ever see one of those with one of those Aldola Low Torque shafts on it, it is really, really good club. And check out my YouTube channel later on after this episode uh, posts, and I'll probably have a video up about it because I did a, I did a few uh, I did some footage tonight at the range. Um, and that sort of thing. And so that, that sort of was, uh, I, I got excited about that. It's like, man, I'm, I'm really, I can really still hit a, I never thought I could hit one of those small head, uh, metal clubs. I never thought I could, but I did tonight. I hit a few really good ones. And the thing I was trying to do was, you know, if you try, if you address your uh, stance to to be sort of like a, a, a draw kind of a stance, and if you uh, you know put the put the ball sort of on the toe of the club, take it back sort of a little bit on the inside, and then come through with it on a inside outside sort of swing path, you're going to have a little bit of a draw on that shot. And I was able to do that a few times. There was a few times I overcooked it a little bit. But I think I, I also was trying to do, I don't know if, if you guys know who Mark Brooks was, but he, he was from Texas, and he used to, 
he came to prominence. I mean, I first saw Mark Brooks when he was, um, I think, in the lead at the 92 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And the winds were howling there. And Mark Brooks was known for, I believe, keeping the ball pretty low because he came from Texas, which is a windy part of his, you know, his uh, sort of, you know, experience. And so when you keep the ball low coming from a windy climate, you're going to have sort of, I guess, an abbreviated follow through. So I sort of tried to have, I don't know, a Mark Brooks kind of follow through where it's sort of like an unfinished sort of thing. Like Roy McAvoy, too. You know, unfinished, like, you know, the guy wearing his golf shoes to a job interview kind of thing without the spikes. Um, But just, yeah, it it was really cool to be able to just... uh, keep that ball down and have it draw in the air as I was going through it. And I, and I did it the same on the, uh, on the, on, on hitting cut shots too. And it's like, man, I can still do this. This is really cool. So there's even a chance for me to get some, some of this old equipment and you can still, you can still work the ball with this stuff. And it was just like, it's like, man, I hit this better than my normal three would. And my three, sorry, my three metal is one of these Callaway uh, deals. What is it? It's one of these Callaway Fusion three woods, three metals. And I hit, I hit that TaylorMade better than my Callaway. I'm not going to trade it, you know. I'm just going to keep it. But it's like, man, I can still do that. Now this, this is the portion of the segment where I, I I've been fascinated with my, uh, with my video that's on my YouTube channel. And, um, it's up to like, it's up to 41,000 views and I've never had a video that had, um, that many views on it. And what I'm going to do now is I am going to read some of the comments that people have left. Now, if you don't know, the video is about Nick Faldo at the 1996 masters on Sunday. This is the, the Greg Norman collapse and he is on the 13th hole at Augusta national and he is, this is his second shot, okay? So he is trying to figure out what to do. He sort of addresses the ball like three times and then finally takes his two iron or his three iron and he he pipes one to the green and he, and he gets on and he wins the tournament. So it was an amazing shot. It's the best shot I've ever seen him hit. And, uh, oh, don't do that. Good Lord. Well, we got a little bit of bubbly on the floor. Anyway, um, sometimes the people are kind, and then sometimes the people are a bit uh, snarky in their comments. So let's go with this first one. I'm not going to read that one. (laughs) Okay. From Andrew Jackson. Appreciate the video. I remember watching this live. Couldn't believe the Norman Collapse was very hard to watch. Amen, Mr. Jackson. That sounds a lot like that president that we used to have. Anyway, um, is that the guy that's on the $20 bill? Jeez. So, and then we have another person. His name is Matt Flynn. Annoying to watch. Takes too much time. I can't imagine playing 18 homes with someone like that. It would probably be a five-hour-plus round. I think he meant holes. So, well, you know, the guys on tour, maybe they took too long. I don't know. 
that was Faldo one of the long ones? I think Sergio takes longer and can't play. Takes a lot longer. Lee Corcoran says, Still one of the best two irons I've seen under pressure and to hold the green off a hook lie. Two thumbs up with two greens. That was a good comment. Now there was another one. Okay. No, I'm not going to read that one. Oh, hello. Here we go. Okay, here's the one I wanted to read. This is from Pilgrim Golfer. When you put everything into perspective, then it is perhaps the best shot of his career. Yes. First of all, you have to take into account the incredible pressure on his shoulders. Yes. How many have we seen fall apart at Amen Corner? We've seen many. Yes. Then you have to understand the incredible mental strength it took to stop himself from taking that shot two times. And then to clear your mind of doubts and go for it on the third attempt with an entirely different club. And then strike it that well. It may not look like the most spectacular shot of his career. Uh, no, that was probably one of his, probably his best. But for those of us who treat golf as an internal part of their life, we know just how hard that shot was to pull off. It could all have gone very wrong here if his nerves had got the better of him, but he held it together, and I believe that was the point when he believed he could win and Norman's, and Norman's nerves cracked. So I have to say I agree with you. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Pilgrim Golfer. I hope you get more than one subscriber on your channel. You know, that that's that's a point that uh, that gets overlooked with this stuff, is that Nick Faldo, he was number one in the world. And I did watch a little bit of that, um, the Shell Wonderful Worlds of Golf, with uh, when he played Greg Norman at Sunningdale in England. I think it was 1995, something like that. And uh, at the time, Norman was number one in the world, and I only watched like one hole. But I, I, I remember. And gosh, Fowler was using a persimmon wood, a persimmon driver, at that course at that tournament. It was just, it was just amazing to watch. I, uh, I hope I could, uh, I hope I get to watch that again. So, anyway, let's let's read another comment. So, let's go back. I'm getting these, like, every hour, something like that. It's amazing. It's like, you have a video on YouTube, and it's like, wow, this is, this is interesting. Okay. Paul, from Paul Anderson, Faldo talked about this shot. The original four-wood, his favorite club, wouldn't sit correctly at a dress. He didn't feel comfortable, so then he changed to the iron. Oh, that's interesting. Never, I would like to see what Faldo thought about it. Okay, let's see what this says. Hodor says, I get, and the get is in capital letters, that you didn't want to listen to Ken Venturi. In the alternative, I suppose the TV audience could have listened to Dead Silence for five minutes, in which case the network would have fired Venturi and most likely the producer. Well, you know, I think in that moment, if the if the 
you you have to, at some point the TV production has to cater to the golf fan. It's not always going to be. It shouldn't always be about the casual golf fan that's always watching, and you have to dumb it down for that person to take it seriously. I think that when I mean this, I think that in the air in an era where you have access to all sorts of different mediums to capture footage. Why wouldn't you... I mean, back back in 96, they didn't have all that was available as to us, to what we have now. Why wouldn't you make that available for people? Why wouldn't you have, like, a microphone on a caddy or a microphone on a golf bag or something like that? Why wouldn't you have that? You have the guy who's got the boom mic next to the uh, the Fanny and the and the Nick Faldo, why would why wouldn't you just listen to that dialogue? Why wouldn't you? That's gotta be the most amazing thing is that Venturi was talking Venturi was talking over Fanny and Nick talking about the shot. And CBS didn't didn't allow Fanny and Nick to talk. I would have loved to hear what they were saying. All I heard Nick say was there's too much of an angle. And in that moment, Venturi was just talking because he he could. You know, that's that's what he thought he was supposed to do and nobody would stop him because Venturi he won the US Open at Congressional. And you know, there's there's a lot of clout with him and you don't want to I don't know. I don't know how they would have handled it, but Cherkinian was the man that was the the head golf producer there, and he allowed it to happen. So that was a probably the pivotal moment on the back nine with Faldo in that shot, and Ken Venturi just kept talking. When you could have allowed Fanny and Nick to talk for us to hear all that. The people in the gallery couldn't hear them. Why should we have to hear Ken Venturi with that stuff? So, anyway. Maybe I'll read one more and see what I'm up to. Yeah, that's about right. Okay. Zip, 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 zip. <laughs> Alright, I'll read that one. Without the audio of Ken, the only one blathering on is you! <laughs> Inventory sucked as a commentator. Oh, was that it? Is that it? Let's go back to Wednesday. If you noticed, Hardwater Lover says, if you notice, he's grounded his club a couple of times, altering that grass behind the ball. Mmm. That's an interesting point. I would think that, in light of what we've heard and seen Patrick Reed do over the last few years... Uh, hmm. But but here again, it's the fairway. It's the fairway, and if you ground the club behind the fairway, it doesn't improve your lie because the fairway is the fairway. It's a, it's a closely mown grass, and it's not like it's in the rough. If the ball's in the rough, that's one thing, but if it's in the fairway, it's a lot less likely that you're going to depress the grass behind the ball. And I remember Nick used to do that. Nick Nick Faldo, whenever he would tee up a ball on a tee, 
he would take a step right behind the ball to, um, you know, give him that sort of, what do you call it? The, the window of, the window of the strike, the strike window, as it were. You know, he, he puts his foot down and makes a depression on the turf, on the tee, and he makes that strike window for for the club to have better access to uh, striking the ball. And he used to do that. And, and you know, when it's all said and done, you know, this is what, 25 years later, that's something... That's something that still goes on, but I mean, I don't think it's a big. I don't think it's as big of a deal on the fairway as it would be in the rough. So um, let's do one more, if if that. <coughs> big time clutch, long iron. Did he birdie that hole, Mister Wayne Frenette? I don't know, and I should know that. I did not know that. It takes a chatterbox to no one. Nice shot, too. Golf hacker. <laughs> okay. Darren John Mole says, One of the best ever at long irons. He could cut them, run them, made it look easy. Okay. He was very good with the long iron. Okay. Okay. Marky Wells boy says it would have been interesting to hear what Ken Venturi had to say. My favorite Faldo shot of all time: balls of steel to stand back off it a second time when the crowd gave you some stick for it the first time. Let me read that again. It would have been interesting to hear what Ken Venturi had to say. Well, well, dude, you can watch the video on YouTube and hear what Ken Venturi said. I only was watching what YouTube had on there, and I muted it so you couldn't hear Ken Venturi. You only can hear me. So, there you go. My favorite shot, my favorite Faldo shot of all time, balls of steel to stand back off it a second time when the crowd gave you some stick for it the first time. Yeah, okay. Okay. Anyway, um, I think I'm going to cut it off with that. So, anyway, I just wanted to thank you for listening. Um, was this a good episode? I don't know. You know, I just got done hitting balls, and it's been a long week after work, and I'm up a bit late. I got up at 4 this morning. So, I need to um, I need to get some sleep, and I want to sleep in tomorrow, and uh, maybe hit the range again. Oh, I'm probably going to pick up a putter tomorrow. So, um, tune in for that. Anyway, I hope you have a good uh, weekend. And thank you for listening to the Knackered Golfist podcast. And anything else you got to say? No? Well, keep it relevant out there. Never wear your golf shoes on the practice green. And say hello to the guy next to you at the driving range. Say, hey, what are you hitting? Anyway, thanks for listening to the Knackered Golfers. Good night. Four, please. The Knackered Golfist now driving.